Blog Talk Radio.
Alafia, divine, all blessed, peace and love. Peleo, Yuhurawaku, Jambo, Habaragani, Kedu, divine, all blessed, greetings and salutations. You are now sitting live with the divine prince and always in archive at your leisure and convenience here on both Blog Talk Radio, but also anywhere I can be found in social media presently you can probably find a link or an archive back to this show. And of course, you can visit me at youtube.com forward slash be like Victor, O-O, D like David, O-O-T-Y-E. All is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is indeed my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. It is crucial to the very foundation of my understanding, my being, my walk, my works along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey, and it is how I, divine prayer, make sense out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Father Earth. It is my personal place of power and understanding, the place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all blessed reality. And so it is. I say, I greet you and welcome you in divine, all blessed peace and protection. Safety, if you will, on this Monday, April 27, 2020. I am vibrating now with you and for you live, verbally, virtually, cosmically, quantum universally from this walking temple of the house of the divine prince. High Potions, Hoodoo Central, LLC, in this beloved, legendary, most beautiful, historic, and enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this Hoodoo Obea life path and journey, passing down the great Obia stick along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, traditions. All is truly indeed a blessing. I am grateful for your continuance to join me here and be a part of this squared circle of gods and goddesses, this sacred space that we create at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time on a multitude of platforms, on a multitude of platforms. I'm now on too many platforms to recite that out every time I do the show. So please do read the text that accompanies my videos, that's on my website, that's in my social media stream, so that you can indeed be alerted and be aware of upcoming broadcasts, as well as an opportunity to listen at your leisure and convenience in archive. Of course, on blogtalkradio.com. That's our audio archive at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. And of course, you can visit my YouTube at youtube.com forward slash voodoo 
time. All is truly and indeed a blessing. I often say, I try to say at least once a day that spiritual power, people ask, why do we do this? People ask, what's the point? People ask, what do I do with this, this information? And so I remind you that indeed true power, real power, spiritual power and knowledge lies in its efficacy. That is its ability to produce reliable, tangible results here and now in this moment in time space. Not in the here and after, not on the other side, not in the by and by, but results, results oriented spirituality and religion for a modern time in which we live and exist here today. I live for, as I'm, I'm sure many of you do, the, the day when there won't be an opportunity to talk about Corona. There won't be an opportunity to, to think about the virus and, and how it is changing and, and reshaping the world that we exist in today. So I would be no less than a minister, no less than a spiritualist, no, no less than a root doctor and a conjure man and a hoodoo practitioner. If I didn't say, stay at home, stay at home. Now, on the one hand, you say you don't trust these people, you don't trust the information, you don't trust the, 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 the media, you don't trust the propaganda. But at the same time, same time, now y'all want to get back to business as usual just like your president. Now you want to get back to business as usual, just like those very talking heads, those very public figures that you say you have no relationship to. Now understand, understand that people can remove themselves from a religion, from a particular cultural um, indoctrinated way of, of seeing and viewing things. But it takes work. It takes work to, to reprogram the mind, to take the religiosity out of an individual. And I see a lot of uh, religiosity among otherwise would-be uh, communities that, that see themselves as, as being a little bit more on the radical end of things, being a little bit more on the free, uh, free thinking end of things. And so stay home, stay home. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. I don't just listen to the media. I don't just listen to what is being said uh, in, in America. I'm all over the world, virtually, every day, every day. And there's no reason you can't be also. There, there are news publications, news outlets, social media websites, and, and social media sites that, that we never mention in the list of Instagram, IG, um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. So my knowledge is well informed <laughs> and I'm paying attention to the trend. Now, now, now let's look at the math. How can it be that a country like Spain or Italy, for instance, where this got started before us, if we believe what's been said, and they're now trying to determine long after we do, whether they're going to open up again or not, whether they're going back to regular business or not. How much regular business has China returned? So my mom likes to say all the time, when the goddess gifts, one of the greatest gifts that God would give us is wisdom. 
is wisdom. That's one of the greatest gifts that we have. So that if we can't be practical, logical, rational, uh, realistic, you know, uh, then we can't then rely on our own understanding. Sometimes our understanding is diluted, polluted, influenced, in the worst case scenario, manipulated, you know. And so we've got to be clear in order to say that we're free thinking. We've got to be neutral in order to say that we're free thinking. And we've got to be willing to be open to information that does not necessarily jive with what you think is the reality or, or the truth about a particular subject matter that most of us are not even qualified to touch. You know, germology, infectious diseases, <laughs> you know, uh, many of us aren't even qualified to touch economics. Let's keep it real. You're doing all you can to manage your budget and your money and keep your lights on and keep your life going forward and invest in your children in the next generation. But somehow we all super uh, talking heads. We're all experts, you know, just like CNN, just like MSNBC, just like the sports channels. I love to see brothers get together, you know, as a barbershop or wherever, dispute sports when we own no teams, have no investment in any teams, have no connection to any teams, have no real influence over any team. And so we play sports and games. Now that's part of the propaganda. Give the populace that which they need to keep themselves entertained, to keep themselves distracted. In the worst case scenario, to, to voluntarily pollute themselves so that indeed we can move them on out of the way. They're not even going to vote. They're not even going to participate in the process. They're not even going to be relevant. This is what's being thought. So if you haven't figured it out already, and this ain't racial, <laughs> this ain't prejudicial, but if you haven't figured it out already, whatever you think the news is, this virus don't like black people. This virus don't like black people. And not just old black people. It's not just people over 60, over 50, with these extremely complicated health issues. It's a lot of you that are teens, 20s, 30s, that have complicated health issues, that have the diabetes, that have high blood pressure, that have asthma. The numbers of rates of asthma just blew up during the decade of, of the 1980s and, and even into the 1990s, and particularly in communities of color. So don't be no fool now. <laughs> don't be no fool now. Greetings, um, neophyte, Bokor tourists, and everyone who I may have um, acknowledged or did not acknowledge directly. Greetings, uh, Arisha. Hola, beloved. Thank you so much for returning, seven the gentlemen. Uh, and being a part of our of our audience, and always show due respect to Keona Carter. Um, she's our moderator. Um, she's not being aggressive. She's not, you know, being controlling. She's helping us to control and keep order in in the chat room, and make sure that I don't miss your important questions, comments, and requests. Uh, let's see. Um, I hope this is the first question, uh, Neophyte Bokor Tourist. What is the one way you have been able to get through to Black people, African Americans, to bring them back to the ancestors? Uh, wow, that's interesting because 
what you asked is what is the one way that I have been able to do so? Uh, and I'm going to speak directly to that. But before I do, um, often it's not me. Um, you hear me say, you know, you don't choose voodoo, voodoo chooses you. You don't choose Ifa, Ifa chooses you. You don't choose um, a, a particular uh, spirit path because it's favorable to you. The, uh, the spirit path chooses you that's most favorable to you getting your work done. Your work, but also your work that, that affects the rest of us uh, nationally, internationally, globally, universally, galactically, cosmically, if you will. So the one way that I have been able to get through to um, Black people about ancestors is through uh, paying attention to what's being said. You, you often hear me reference back to pop TV. You often hear me reference back to social media. Uh, you often hear me reference back to Yahoo 360, really being the first active footprint of me you know, being online other than just having a, a simple email address. Uh, Yahoo 360 was the first social media network that I participated in, shared in, posted in. First, like many people, um, stuff that I wanted to post, stuff that was happening to me personally, um, post Hurricane Katrina. And then I found through that interaction that people were interested in, in who I was and what I did. And, what voodoo really was and what voodoo culture really looked like um, from the inside out um, in terms of, of New Orleans. So I would say um, I've probably gotten through best through rational, practical, documentable, reinforceable information. Um, I've got friends, I've got frenemies, I've even got haters. Um, and when I compile that information objectively, because I, I Pay attention to what haters have to say objectively. Now, if it's ego and foolishness, it, it, it goes right over me. Uh, but if there's anything worth dissecting from it, even if they don't know they're giving me something worth dissecting from it, I pay attention to that. So I, I've tweaked sort of my style to some degree over the years. Um, viewers, participants who've been with me since the beginnings of Block Talk Radio, um, might notice the nuances in my style. Um, I think originally I was a little bit more meditative, tranquil. Some of the uh, affirmations that you all uh, enjoy today, uh, once upon a time, were almost the first entire hour of my show was that. Uh, and there were people who absolutely came for that. Uh, but then I had others who came for the politics, uh, neophyte Bokur, who came for the, the debate of interaction, who, who came for the Tabitha Smiley. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the old heads. Um, Tabitha, there's another one uh, who wears the glasses, old school uh, PBS uh, black scholar, historian, uh, show host um, that would talk about anything black, anything cultural, anything um, that affected us. Um, and of course, that would then become world information. So there's a time, particularly in Yahoo, Yahoo 360 dissolved, and we started figuring out where we were going to relocate. Um, we all got sort of got into Facebook, and in Facebook, um, Tony Val and I both 
really started posting um, the history along with the documents, um, not just the debate, which was real common then, um, and to some degree it's real common today. We've just taken debating and conversation to a whole nother level, just like hip hop has evolved to a whole nother level. Uh, so I decided I was not going to do what everyone else was doing, because if everyone is shouting, if everyone is, is debating, if everyone is in combat, no one is listening, no one is truly teaching in, in that environment. Uh, I would look at the various show hosts who were combatants, and there was no real teaching going on. There was no real information being shared, because you're constantly in the position of offense and defense in a warlike like mode. So through that Facebook activity, um, my numbers grew in Facebook. People started filling our posts, copying and resharing our posts. Um, then it became a place where people wouldn't even give credit for uh, where they found the information or the origins of the information. And so I started bringing a great deal more of that to Blog Talk Radio. Um, I wasn't doing YouTube at the time. Um, it was primarily Blog Talk Radio. And I found that there was a core audience that was going to stick with me based on the facts. It didn't, it didn't matter what their religion was, what their spiritual belief system was, based on the facts. And if I can get them to see things, understand things, which is why I float in between um, sort of direct language, quantum metaphysical language, sometimes mathematical language, sometimes uh, um, astrology, sometimes I speak in Orisha because I, I'm trying to continue to reach that core audience. And it's not that I don't care about those who come and go because there are those who come and go at different degrees of that. There are those who have come and gone over the years, you may have heard me mention this before, um, who are shapeshifters who recreate themselves. Uh, they come as one thing, one past, one religion, one tradition. They disappear. They come back, and, and they're completely something, something else. Um, and, and so, I don't try and influence what they do. <laughs> then you have others who come and go uh, because there's just so much on the buffet. There's just so many different voices out there, um, and so they're either either being driven by what appears to be popular what appears to be, you know, most interesting, where the largest numbers of people, you know, show up. And we know that that's often favored, that that's often based on many other factors other than how much meat and material is in the show. Uh, popularity, music. Uh, there was a time I played a great deal more music. Um, and my core audience um, rebelled against that. Um, they they loved the music, they enjoyed the music, but they wanted the information. Um, they wanted to stop wasting their money. They wanted to stop wasting their time. They, they wanted to prevent making a journey somewhere um, and investing time, money, and effort, um, and sweat and tear um, without having any real knowledge. Um, I started looking at various forms of initiation, particularly as they're available to Black people. From affordability, from location, from other barriers like language or cultural barriers um, that require a passport. And again, I found a hole in terms of the information, in terms of the knowledge that was available. And, and so I, I grew to understand that 
My greatest value is my intellectual property. My greatest value is my intellectual property. Because, you know, you can copy my style, you can copy my look. I've had people literally try to copy my words, but you can't copy my wisdom, my experience. You can't copy what's up here, you know? And I'm still struggling to get it out from up here um, and into a, a book format um, that I think is uh, appropriate for the time. I, I don't want to be just another um, copycat book. I don't want to be just another um, sensationalist book, you know, where you focus in on some particular sensationalistic aspect of, of popular interest of the day. You know, Marie Laveau, Ghost, you know, um, uh, other points of interest. And, and then an author will sort of form their book around that. I want this to be textbook light while still being entertaining, while still sharing my story. Um, so even within that idea, there are four books there, at least, <laughs> maybe five or six books there, um, at least. So I'm, I'm still challenged in terms of, you know, I, I work on one and stop, work on another and stop, work on another and stop while at the same time feeling this pressing need to get something out there um, on the market that meets the need of today without it being rushed, without it being gimmicky, without it sort of catering to um, the Arisha romance in a way that does not be benefit those participating in the Arisha romance to evolve, <clears throat> to grow. So I've managed to do it through information, through knowledge, through um, documentable information that can be further explored, um, further researched. I am the son of a retired school teacher. And so I like to think that I've absorbed some academic style from my own experience, but also from um, that of my mother. Um, and so my mother would make us you know, we couldn't ask my mom how you spell a word. Her her immediate response would be sound it out, which was shorthand for there's several dictionaries in the house. <laughs> you know, so you would have to sound it out. You would have to break it down. You would have to understand the root of a word or or a concept, uh, and then apply that in terms of looking it up. You know, in in a dictionary, a thesaurus, um, uh, an encyclopedia. We, we had several sets of, of encyclopedias, um, some of which I knew well, very well, page by page. So it is a, akin to who I am and sort of my style, but, but it's also been very successful for me in terms of maintaining, getting people to come. When I say my core audience, getting people to come, listen, participate in the show. And maybe there is something that they like and enjoy about the show. One moment, please. Keep in that moment. Oh, my God. All right. So, um, Please forgive me for the interruption. So, 
so um yeah i i think i managed to get through to, to people through not just spirit not just religion not just history uh but also through well-developed documentation um that moves people um not just at the emotional level which is how many of us were moved at in terms of religion but also at the intellectual level um at the consciousness level because uh, sometimes people can sort of intellectually order things together but then the application requires real spirit movement real spirit involvement um uh let's see uh all is a blessing, uh, hoodoo occultism, all is a blessing. Um, how does one know if voodoo has and is calling upon them to come forth? Um, that's my same response, Kiona Carter, to, um, you know, the questions we get just recently, yesterday about, you know, is voodoo speaking to me through my dreams? Is Orisha speaking to me through my dreams? And often when people say that, believe that have sort of that connection to these traditions in that way um you're speaking code language to me for someone who's pulling from books pulling from movies pulling from social media and what social media says for which it is um, we, we have an old saying here in the south those who know don't say or those who know don't tell those who tell don't know and, and it's sort of a a figurative uh, 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 euphemism for the fact that people who are absolutely operating in the tradition don't violate the tradition in any way. And, and, and going back to the, the previous question, I, I think I can find a way of using common language, everyday language, practical language to make things make sense to people without violating protocols, without violating traditions, without violating um, what many people do spend a great deal of time, money, and effort to learn, to gain access to, um, to, to develop. So you only know that, that the calling is upon you through your feeling, through your emotion, but then you have to take it a step further. You have to investigate. Um, I, strongly suggest, um, I strongly suggest looking into uh, accessing your background, your lineage, your heritage, we live in a Western culture that taught us to adapt other people's cultures, other people's traditions, other be other people's belief systems. And even though we live in a quote unquote Christian country, uh, we at the same time say freedom, freedom of religion, freedom of belief. You know, we, we've expanded on on the idea of, of freedom. So now people in the Western world feel a sense of freedom to pick and choose and that's not how the ethno-cultural traditions um, were done in, in its most untouched context, and it's still not quite done that way today. Um, so without divination, one doesn't know for sure which path they should be operating. Um, without truth and understanding of lineage and background and heritage, um, you're still only operating um, half full without a whole degree of knowledge and understanding about who you are, about yourself, to then make a more uh, conscious, more uh, appropriate choice 
about how to move forward, uh, what, what path, what, what tradition uh, should be standing up. Um, when we say voodoo, that's a very general word, beloved. When I say voodoo, I'm talking about ATR. I'm talking about uh, African-based traditional systems, primarily from the mid-Atlantic slave trade, when we say voodoo. Voodoo is a product of not just that root of, of voodoo and voodoo that we know in Togo, Benin, Nigeria, Cameroon, Ghana, et cetera, but more appropriately to today, it's the voodoo that we know that grew and developed out of the Middle Passage, out of slavery and enslavement in the New World. So we discern by lineage and we discern by divination what path one should be operating and developing and walking in. Um, and in terms of what I offer for that is ancestral working divination. All things start in ancestral working divination. Um, typically when people are just wanting reading, just wanting deeper understanding, uh, wanting to address something very specifically, uh, love and relationships, career, health, wellness, you know, et cetera, the, the challenge, the block, the complication, but they are not necessarily ready to commit to these traditions uh, uh, fully. They typically want services from me less than ancestral work and divination. It's really when people get to that ancestral work and divination, when, when the bells and the whistles go off and I can stand up and respond to that level of seriousness about people really being serious about taking their, their spirit journey to the next level. And again, um, I, I'm going to always keep going back to, to some of the previous questions, that idea of how do I get uh, people of African descent uh, to come back to, to the ancestors. Um, again, that, that is a part of the challenge. We are so westernized. I, I say it all the time, and I know it offends and angers people. Make sure the white supremacy is not in you. I'm talking to black people. Make sure the racism is not in you because these cultural um, toxins have sort of been embedded in us uh, from our birth, from our inception, from, from the school systems in which we've had to you know, pass through, from, through the judicial system and, and the uh, social service system and all the other isms that are in place to sort of influence how people think, but also people's behavior. Um, so I often have to talk about, you know, the renewing of the mind in order to really uh, get clear, Kiona, about uh, indeed what spirit path we want to walk in. Um, because it's not religion. It's not Islam, Christianity, Judaism, uh, to say the least. Um, it's more akin to Catholicism. It's more akin to Hinduism. And then, of course, more akin to much more ancient indigenous world of traditions that require us to have a renewed mind, that require us sort of regressing, past life regressing back in terms of time to even put ourselves in a position to comprehend um, what our ancestors would have been thinking, what their motive would have been behind the very uh, root, no pun intended, root of root work conjure hoodoo, uh, voodoo, and, and particularly in the new world. It's almost impossible for us not to start with the middle passage. It's almost impossible. 
on this ground. It's almost impossible because of its relationship to how voodoo showed up in the new world in the first place. Ah, Keona, thank you so much, beloved, for your questions, your participation, your assistance in helping me and keeping the uh, chat room moving forward. Ah. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, who do acrosism that? Okay, that's email. Don't don't bring your private. Yeah, that's email. Email me because I'm not even going to remember. I'm not even. That's not even going to stick while I'm while I'm doing the show. So yeah, please. Thank you, Keona. Send me an email. Um, I, I can't. I'm not going to be able to hold on to that. The, the minute I end this broadcast, I'm not going to remember that you even posted that. Um, please post your questions, comments, requests in all capital letters in the chat so that I can see them and acknowledge them and respond to them uh, here live on the air. Also, I welcome you to please use our blog talk radio phone lines at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. When you're ready with your question, comment, or request, Please do press the number one on your telephone keypad. This will alert me that there is a caller in queue. It'll give me the opportunity to unmute your mic and bring you into the conversation. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Um, Cornelius B., greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for your uh, participation and your comments um, in the chat. Um, Cheryl Lynn Simon asks, to what degree does astrology factor in your healing, reading, or conjure work? A great degree. Um, it's very rarely that I even get into the depth of reading um, without asking about your birthday, your time of birth, your location to birth. Um, and that's one of the things that we're disconnected from in terms of um, now trying to comp compartmentalize what's ATR, what's pagan, uh, what's witchcraft, what's Satanism, et cetera. And so these various schools of thought, astrology, numerology, um, et cetera, have been compartmentalized first by culture and tradition. We all have our own cultural understanding of, of the sky based on what culture we're, we're pulling the tradition the belief system from um, but yet we think of astrology as something eurocentric as something western as something um, more modern and there's nowhere in the ancient world that the mapping of the sky was not important uh, particularly in a world that did not have uh, the sort of technology technological distractions uh, that we that we might have and possess today. Um, so they spent a great deal of time outdoors, before the fire, looking at the sky, mapping and, and charting activities in the sky. So there is no voodoo without astrology. There is no uh, Hinduism without astrology. There is no Islam or Christianity without astrology. Uh, the main world religions seek to mask what they call pagan traditions you know, or or synchronize or, or incorporate them, um, appropriate them in some cases, you know, into the into the 
mainstream accepted way of doing things. But um, really, there is no way to uh, do real healing work, reading work, conjure work without some understanding of uh, the astrology of a person and how that plays in a role, a factor. Even when we look at it culturally, if you look at culture as personality, um, you know, we know the various uh, tribes or cultures or ethnic groups have, have moved around, have to some degree been mobile. So even when we're looking at our ancestry, um, what century are you looking at in terms of the footprint of your DNA? Uh, and that does show up in your ancestry chest, by the way. Um, it's there. <laughs> you just have to know how to use uh, the platform in which you're, you're navigating in. And so it will give you a, a understanding of, you know, your chest might say Ghana, Nigeria, Cameroon. But then where would you have been? Where would your people have been? Where would your ancestor link have been at any particular time and place uh, during the course of that 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 time, that history. So astrology plays in at every level, at, at every level. Um, it, it plays a factor in, in terms of where you are and where you're doing your work now in relation to the globe. And when I'm discussing quantum metaphysics, I like to say that um, time is governed by, by place, um, which is a mathematical fact. Uh, once you move, change position, shift position, Time is already uh, shifting. Our perception of time is shifted based on where we are at any particular place in time, um, literally or figuratively. So there's no way really to do any any work without some level of astronomical um, awareness and knowledge, if not a greater degree of evolved understanding. Uh, let's see. Um, Whose question am I missing? Can I talk about magic used in Hollywood? Um, now that's a, a, a tricky one um, because there's so much propaganda out there about who is using magic in Hollywood and who isn't. Um, it, it opens up a whole Illuminati can of worms. <laughs> it, it opens up a whole secret society um, of conversation. Um, which I'm willing to do if I have some participants. Now, I, I'm not necessarily wanting to do it by myself. So y'all are listening in, but y'all not pressing that number one at 845-277-9143. Call in 845-277-9143. So um, do I believe, first of all, that there's even any magic being used in Hollywood? I do. And not because of the propaganda, not because of conspiracy theories, not because of the tabloids. Um, but I believe that we're talking about a, a creative, artistic, um, often well-resourced community, um, whether it's financial resource or just having access to who has the resource to a particular person, place, or thing. Um, we know from its outward demonstration, it's a community that likes to explore religion, consciousness, um, science, math, um, if not indeed magic. Uh, there are a very limited number of entertainers who um, have 
overtly admitted to any application of, of magic um, in in their growth, in their pro progress. Um, I, I say growth first because if anything, we're talking about your inner world first, um, not just the person who wants to sort of use magic to gain material, you, you know, the signs of the pistol, <laughs> material, carnal, um, you know, improvement whether it's physical enhancements or material enhancements. So we know that um, it's explored. We know it's an idea that um, pop culture is interested in. We know it's an idea that's sort of played around with um, to some degree um, in the movies uh, and in TV shows. Um, there was one uh, movie, um, not Charmed, I'm talking about a movie. It might've been the Three Heathers, um, it was it was three white girls who were in college who no two white girls and a black girl who were in college who were dabbling with magic um, and of course one wanted to be blonder and prettier and and it worked um, another wanted to be sort of demonic and diabolical some of y'all know the movie I'm talking about um, and, and then the black girl characters uh, for the most part kind of played along. Um, like sometimes we're stereotyped as being a little bit more fearful uh, of stepping into the dark side than other people. Um, so when it came time to sort of get out, you know, she got out. Um, and then there was the hero of the show who sort of learned to use their power that they had harnessed, that they were experimenting with, uh, sort of repair the damage they had done, um, and even gave the suggestion of, of doing good. Um, so we know the whole idea of it is absolutely something that the entertainment world, the musical world, um, the acting world um, has always been associated with. When we look at Reefer Madness, for instance, and, and the uh, prohibition of liquor and the pro prohibition of marijuana um, in the U.S. and the propaganda that was used back in the day to sort of support that, Part of it was that, you know, it, it was either somehow, somehow satanic and, and opened us up to some, some dark magic, or, or it was um, something that made us insane and, and crazy and, and caused people to be in, in sale asylums and, and locked up in, in mental health wards, um, like Billie Holiday, for instance. And, and this was uh, in a time before we had rehab. This was before AA. This was before people had any... Uh, compassionate services in place to sort of address whether it be mental health um, or drug and alcohol um, abuse and, and manifestation. So we know that we see um, all forms of magic, religion, consciousness being explored and, and to some degree manipulated if we believe, uh, again, what's being said in the tabloids um, about um, certain groups and, and certain organizations. Um, in Hollywood. So <clears throat> I, I always say I'm very left brain. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist type. Um, so I, I do believe that there's some um, dabbling in it, just like it is in this ordinance right here, just, just like it would be um, in the social media stratosphere. There are curious minds in this audience that are reading all sorts of things, that are attempting all sorts of things, that are experimenting um, with all sorts of things. Um, and sometimes what's most popular or most popular rise floats to the top. 
as it relates to what is then painted upon, marked upon Hollywood. Um, even when we talk about the quote unquote gay agenda, um, what is that? Who is that? Um, and if there is a gay agenda, it don't involve black people. It certainly don't involve people of color um, who are grassroots oriented, who, who are conscious, who are uh, ethnically and culturally aware, who are, who are spiritually aware. So these theories get started, the ball gets rolling, you know, um, who do um, occultism that takes me right back to, you know, Corona and some of the theories. First it was black people can't get it. Uh, and, and now it's, you know, the highest numbers of people dying with this, you know, are, are black people. Now, now the saying is, well, it's not that big of a deal and, and we should open it up and we should all get back to work. And, and of course we have a certain number of black people who are now on board with that, with that theory also, <laughs> you know, so we got to be careful about, um, being erudite. That's one of my favorite words. I use that word a lot for a reason. Um, we have to be careful about being well thought out, well read, well studied. Uh, the magical book says, study to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved. Um, and I can explain it. Freud can explain it. I, Einstein can explain it. Fawcett can explain it. <laughs> Trump can explain it. And depending on where you are <laughs> and your mindset, um, just from that list, you want to choose the voice that, you know, that speaks to you. So um, I think Hollywood, yes, to some degree, has explored, looked into individually, maybe collectively within a peer group, within a social uh, uh, clan. You know, I might be interested in hoodoo and just so you all are interested in hoodoo. So at least we know this core right here is sort of exploring and, and investing in, in hoodoo. But then who is to say that we are then manipulating the market with it or manipulating Hollywood with it or manipulating, you know, internet commerce with it? That's when it becomes, you know, into the conspiracy theory uh, realm. And, and at that point, you have to examine footprints. So I'm much more to find religion and religious organizations and organizations with religious-like structures to be more suspect um, than Hollywood. I think um, the union <laughs> is bigger in Hollywood than any um, sort of occult, magical, behind-the-scenes conspiracy, in, in conspiracy in terms of um, um, people's success. I do believe that people who often want success through magic, through religion, through spiritual practices, um, choose any religion, choose any church, um, and then you're going to find a large group of people there that are successful, uh, and maybe not just in one career lane. Um, there are many career lanes that intersect with what we say is Hollywood. Um, what about hair and makeup? Are, are the hair and makeup people doing magic? Uh, what about the, the lighting and the uh, electricians and um, catering? Are, are they doing um, <laughs> magic, uh, housekeeping, you know, janitorial? Um, there are no really low-paying jobs, you know, in quote-unquote Hollywood. So um, who's to say? Are our doctors, 
you know, are our lawyers, are they indeed using a form of magic? Now, when we look at masons, shriners, um, Ivy League schools, um, fraternities, sororities, indeed, we can track a pattern of information, shared information, shared resources that show up as a demonstration of success. We can point out sorors and 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 fraternity, you know, brothers who um, all very stratospheres of life and success. Um, so I'm much more apt to say that there might be individuals in not just Hollywood, but in any um, in any industry who might be utilizing tapping into their knowledge base, their spiritual. If they're aware of their knowledge base and they're aware that their spiritual power is part of their knowledge base, then they would use that. You can be college educated, even Ivy League, but if you don't know that you have power deeper than intellectual power, then you aren't using your magic. Then you aren't tapping um, the magic. Yeah, I believe the directors um, and the writers and the script writers. Um, the creative people are not only using, um, Kiln, I think that's you, I'm going to open your mic, um, are not only using uh, mythology, but, you know, when, when, you, when you have writer's block or you aren't particularly creative, you know, or, or, or you just need something, you know, new to come up with, you are going to be influenced by what you've been exposed to. Now, I've been exposed to a lot as a child of a retired school teacher, music school teacher, um, one of the first teachers, period, to bring Black history, Black music, Black Christmas, Kwanzaa, you know, um, to, to the school system. This was before Kwanzaa. This was before uh, um, we saw Black History Month for being even acknowledged um, in the public school system. So I was a different kind of child. And my parents, just like many of you right now, are ensuring that your child will be exposed to more than just um, Eurocentric culture, Eurocentric history. Um, many of you are, 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 are bedreaded and cultural and Islamic and, and, and um, um, Shiite and Sufi and, and Hindu up and Buddhist up and Voodoo up. And, and you're going to then pass down your knowledge, your awareness to your children. Now, now we know that the apple don't fall from far from the tree, but sometimes the apple will get a worm. Sometimes a, a child will not necessarily do what our parents want us to do. And particularly in those, <coughs> excuse me, those formative years, um, your teens, your adolescents, your teens are going into your 20s, but sometimes you'll find that um, by 33, um, your boys and your girls will sort of settle in and mature, and, and a great deal of what seeds the parents planted uh, will then um, come up to the surface. Uh, Kiana, by the way, your mic is open. Just jump in when you get ready. But yeah, I believe greetings, that. Greetings, um, greetings. greetings, beloved. How you doing? I'm good. No, I'm clear on what my path is. It's just I was asking the question because um, oftentimes 
I notice people will watch YouTube videos or they'll see the instant spiritualists on social media and they're they're drawn they're drawn to it. And so I was wanting I was asking, like, how would one know? You know? They're drawn to it for all the wrong reasons. They're drawn to it for the same reason that many people are, are drawn to um, a Creswell Dollar or a, a TVJ or a, a, a Fred Wright. Um, prosperity, wealth, finances. Um, even at the more basic level, these people look happy. These people don't look like they have a problem. These people look like they're doing okay. You know, so 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 that that first gets you at sort of the emotional level. But then people are looking at the Mercedes and the and the uh Jaguars and, and, and the BMWs parked out in front of the church, the Cadillacs and the Lincolns, um and, and the fine clothing. And in a, in the modern culture where that's what you see on TV, um you don't you don't see uh family matters or all in the family and they're in their worst clothes. Even even good times, you know, those were set clothes. Those were uh, Hollywood costumes, you know. Um, you aren't seeing the reality of of dirt and grime and 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 hard knocks and experience that um, people are living every day. So it's real easy for someone who's not erudite, who's not analytical, who's not skeptical, who doesn't understand looking beyond the illusion looking beyond just what it what it looks like what it sounds like um to to what's deeper beneath what it is that you think you, you're desiring of and, and, and everything i say is, is literal and figurative because the the more figurative aspect of that is what what need are you trying to see often i have to figure that out particularly in a reading um within 15 seconds because even if someone types out, you know, I'm interested in my career in an email request, by the time they get on the phone, um, it's 15 minutes about they love a relationship out. And, and then I remind them, well, you opened up saying you're interested. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in my career. So we're not even often clear, Kiona, about what it is that we want, what it is that we need. And as God, and goddesses, that's the signal we, we send out to creation. So we get that kind of response back from creation, random uh, spikes of highs and lows, of good times and bad times, uh, of, 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 of feeling imbalanced. When the reality is, I, I say it a, a lot, my all of the blessing is not affected by the weather. It's not affected by Corona. It's not affected by what I have or what I don't have. My ability to show up and be present in my truth at any given day, at any given point of the day, it's not affected by the physical realm or the carnal realm or the material realm, you know, or whether I'm hungry in the moment or not. Um, and, and we as humans have that great ability. You know, if, if it's making it to four o'clock or, or to punch out, you push right through the hunger. You push right through the, the tiredness. You push right through the stress or the noise, you know, in the environment that you might be um, living in. But it's then when we get to that spirit work where 
Now we need to tone down the noise, and particularly our own noise, our own inner voice, our own gatekeeper that's constantly challenging every bit of information, every every bit of, of visual and, and audio and, and, and inner stimuli that we get from the world. So that makes it even harder, Kiona, for us to get clear about what our calling really is. So we got to be sure that that first you're not just seeking. I'm just seeking and I just want to find something. I just don't know what I want to find. I just want to find something. You know, we don't always use those words, but sometimes that's the energy that's projected. And my mom taught us as kids, Jim responds to that. Demons respond to that. You know, um, people get to whisper it in your ear. Spirit will, will get to whisper it in your ear. Oh, you need a little of this. Try this. This will help you out, girl. Take this pill. You know, try this drug. That's how some people get into drugs and alcohol uh, for, for the very first time. Um, and, and so we're just not willing often to do that that work to really first know who we are. Understand your brokenness. You gotta you can't deny your brokenness. You gotta understand it in order to disrupt that process, that that pull for your life to repeat any of it. Or or have any of it then show up again through other people, places and things. So we gotta be willing to do that shadow work. Shadow work. Shadow work comes up almost every day. Um and we never really go into a whole lot of great detail about it. Um I, I wanted to talk today before we got off into an uh, hour of show, I wanted to talk today about vampires um, and not European vampires or Hollywood vampires, movie vampires, but African vampires. I think it's important that people understand that, again, these ideas, these images that we now relegate to Hollywood, that we now relegate to European culture, that we now relegate to, oh, well, we learn that through fairy tales, or we learn that through nursery rhymes, that these concepts and ideas absolutely existed in the, in the indigenous world in some format that we might not just be aware of, be educated on. Um, and of course, if you don't know it, you aren't aware of it, then you can't defend from it. You can't protect from it. So I want to talk about the various vampire stories and legends and, and cultures that exist, and, and particularly in West Africa, Central Africa, the uh, regions in which many of our, our people and our bloodlines um, would have been pulled from. And, and, and my reason for that is sometimes I think when I mention Jen on the show, when I mention demons on the show, immediately people have an Islamic Christian connection to the information. They don't necessarily see it as APR. They don't necessarily see it as a product of what we deal with and might confront every day in hoodoo, root work, conjure, voodoo, you know, etc. And so there is this knowledge of awareness of, of vampires. And it's not, you know, sort of this bat-like blood-sucking thing that we've come to understand, it is more akin to the energy vampire. Africa is 
full of history and culture and legend and, and tradition. So even at the university level, when I was studying Pan-African studies at the college level, a, a great deal of time was spent focusing on creation stories. The Kikuyu creation story, the Airway creation story, the Yoruba creation story, and how the various ethnic groups in, in various geographic diverse locations uh, on the continent, how they viewed the, the creation of the world. And so it made understanding and, and receptivity to other world cultural traditions that much more easy for me to sort of digest. And in that journey, um, I came across African vampires. And I posted and reposted about African vampires at least once or twice a year um, over the last decade or so on social media. But, but many of my new listeners, um, you may have never even heard this uh, before. So one of the first common African vampires is Obeiko. Obeiko. And the living vampire Obeiko found in West Africa was said to be either male or female. And in some versions of the legend, of the, legend the Obeiko had the power to leave its body and travel to its victim in the forms of a big ball of light or and we hear now today, coast to coast AM, your astrology conversations, your tarot conversations, you know, all your, your, your new age, you know, kind of spiritual conversations. We hear all this talk about orbs. Um, we see posts and pictures of, of orbs, you know, in, in Facebook and in social media um, every, every now and then. I have a, a, a Haitian friend who posts a great deal of photographs and every now and then it's it's a great deal of orbed photographs in, in, in the pictures. And I think about Obaifo. <laughs> Obaifo travels in, in, in balls of light in orbs. And others have said that this creature stayed in human form, but that a big green light would admit from its rectum and from its armpits. And, and that sounds extraterrestrial to me. That sounds otherworldly to me. And so we, we talk about aliens, for instance, and how can we never hear about black people being abducted, which is not entirely true, by the way. Um, in fact, I think the old, oldest story, the first well-documented um, alien abduction was a biracial couple, black man, white woman. So it's not entirely true that, that black people don't have in, interactions with aliens and extraterrestrials. We look at a cultural dynamic, the um, West, Northwest African uh, people, um, y'all know who I'm talking about. They had the huge dancing mask they wear on their head. Um, oh, wow, I'm drawing a blank. Come on now, hoodoo cultism, you know what people I'm talking about, who have a well-documented history and reference to Syria and and regions uh in the sky the um it'll come to me in a minute the um oh wow some of their most sacred spaces are in the rocky cliff edges and there's these uh sacred temple-like spaces that they create 
um, out, out of the rock. They're one of the more favored um, ethnic groups in the Pan-African diaspora. Um, you all know who I'm talking about. It, it'll come to me, but they have a well-documented um, understanding of an, a, a, ancient alien intervention in humanity. Yes, the Dogon. Thank you, Hoodoo Occultism. I, I knew you would pull it out for me first. The Dogon. So um, even in that aspect of the description, the green light admitting from, from parts of Obeifu's body orifices um, speaks of something alien or otherworldly to me. Um, its favorite meal was said to be blood of children, but it also drank the sap and vital juices in a crop, causing, um, you know, great blight and um, starvation and, and famine um, by way of Obaifu. Another uh, more Southern African vampire is the Tikoloshi. The Tikoloshi, this creature looks like a freakish baboon. It can be found in the southernmost African plains. The Tikoloshi is a kind of psychic vampire that doesn't feed upon the blood, but instead on the energy of its victims. It is best known for its horrific sexual appetite. Most stories tell of the monster raping them, uh, feeding off the life force of women. Some say that a witch doctor can trap and destroy a Tikoloshi's power by luring it with milk. So um, when I try and talk about jinn and demons and uh, other elemental forces that absolutely interfere with and connect with um, humanity, I'm not being old world. I'm not being Christian. I'm not being Islamic uh, or, or Judaic. Uh, it is indeed another aspect of HTR that, uh, or, or the traditional African religious system that is not popularized in ATR that is not a part of the uh, Arisha romance or our general uh, cultural love affair that we have historically had seasonally with various ethnic groups of various regions um, of the continent. Remember back in the 70s, it was all about Ethiopia and Sudan and Somalia um, and repatriation uh, back to, to the motherland. And there were a large number of um, African Americans and Caribbean um, Jamaicans who made their way back to uh, Ethiopia, who I believe still reside there to some degree today. Some of them then, uh, in the late 70s, I believe it was, when the, I think it was Carter who helped in sending the Israelite Ethiopians back to um, Israel. And so that is then how. Uh, another group of African-Americans who had originally been in Ethiopia then relocated to Israel with that movement. Uh, and some of them are still here today. Um, one of my close associates here um, in, in, um, in New Orleans, uh, sister, um, may she rest in our room. Um, both her sister and her mother unfortunately have passed away. But her sister was from Israel. I mean, I can remember uh, sort of a GoFundMe being organized some years back, I don't know, 10 years back maybe, 
sort of get her back to the state uh, because she was suffering from cancer at the time. So um, I look at some of these lists and some of these stories um, and see the crossroads, the intersections with other tribes, other ethnic groups, but even other stories as they are, are now told in the so-called new world um, and indeed in the in the western world i like many of you believe that a great deal of what we believe to be true even though it's masked differently and we need to talk about math and some of y'all still upset about baba the warrior um but our math now in these sort of western uh, images and these western uh symbolism and indeed, we have been disconnected, cut off from the original meaning of, of, of many of these things. But we've had a great deal of knowledge and information and advancement um, and mentors and elders since the 60s, since the 70s. Um, so we really don't have an excuse now to better educate ourselves and better have a greater deal of fluidity as African-Americans, pan-African globally. Um, trans-African consciousness should, should be broader um, and greater than, than sometimes what we experience um, among ourselves. <clears throat> the Nomos, yes, the Nomos from the Dogon people. The, yes, I mentioned the Obaifu, I mentioned the, um, the Chikoloshi, there's also the Adzi, Ozzy, A-D-Z-E, the Ozzy is the vampire feared by the airway people. Um, my people are airway. Um, we often associate voodoo with the airway people. In fact, the word airway makes its way into Yoruba, and we associate it with herbs and plants. Um, the medicine, if you will, in the Ifa. So the airway today presently uh, inhabit largely Ghana. Um, but we see airway in southern Togo, and the Odyssey took on the form of a firefly. A firefly may not invoke a lot of fear in anyone in the Western world, from Mississippi or, or St. Louis uh, or Kansas, who's used to seeing fireflies. But this vampire isn't one to be taken for granted. If caught, the Odyssey being may revert into a quasi-human form, that of a human-like figure with a hunchback, sharp, baboon-like talons, and jet-black skin. It was in this form that it was most dangerous, for it could then kill the victim, drink their blood, eat their heart, and liver. It is said that children are the Aussie's favorite food. And often we hear that connection to children and instilling fear in children. And indeed, we have our own Western American, Southern, you know, uh, wherever you might live in, in the diaspora, um, stories of, of monsters and, and ghosts and boogeymen um, that we often tell to sort of keep children uh, in line, sort of prevent children from exposing themselves to danger um, and, and we instill fear of the dark um, in our children by, by doing this we, we instill other fears that then rise up later on in life as gen in adults 30 40 50 60 year old adults 
um, that then still have to be um, arrested. Another vampire is Asan Bosan. Asan Bosan, A-F-A-N-B-O-S-A-M. Asan Bosan or Asan Bosan, a vampire known among the Ashante people of Southern Ghana and by the people in the areas of Ivy Coast and Togo. The the, the Aban, Aban Bosan um, is said to live deep in the forest where it preys mainly upon hunters. It looks mostly human, except that it has teeth made from iron, and its legs are, are hooked like iron hooks. Um, and anyone unlucky enough to walk by a tree that this vampire might be hanging from will be scooped up and killed and destroyed by the Asan Bosan. Another vampire is the Sasa Bonsan. The Sasa Bonsan. This vampire is very similar to the Asan Bosan, for they also live in trees or dangle from trees like vampires and drink the blood of anyone that walks underneath them. The difference between the two, though, is their appearance. While the Sasa Bonsam also looks humanoid, it doesn't have hooks or iron teeth. Instead, it looks like a mix between human and a bat. Its arms are short and stubby, and it has big wings. Some legend says that its wingspan reaches nearly 20 feet. Now, for my, my listeners and my viewers who appreciate Coast to Coast AM, uh, for those of you unfamiliar, Coast to Coast AM uh, typically um, repeats twice at night. Uh, I think it starts at uh, 10, 11, 12, 1, and then it starts over again at 1, 2, 3, and 4. Um, it's a four-hour podcast, radio broadcast that you typically catch on uh, talk radio back in the day, pre-Katrina. Now, you can also enjoy it, listen to it um, on online. And it's called Coast to Coast AM. And one of the things that they talk about are these huge, uh, giant uh, animals, particularly bats, birds. Um, some say could be leftover from di- dinosaur uh, periods. Some say could be existing um, in some inter, hidden interdimensional space uh, within the planet. Uh, that's where your discussions about flat earth uh, and, and, and the like come in. Uh, there are some who believe that the cap of our planet cover up holes or, or vortexes and which other worlds might exist underneath, which might explain why we might have a nesting, for instance, a Loch Ness monster, um, or these huge uh, oversized flying uh, birds that might be reptiles, uh, reptilian um, leftover from other time periods. Or it's also been suggested they are indeed accessing uh, wormholes or, or openings in, in interdimensional space and are coming and going in our, in our environment. So laying up at night listening to this show, um, I've heard talk about flying birds, uh, flying humanoids. There was a video that made the rounds on Instagram. Uh, I want to say in the last month, 
that documents, I believe in Mexico, this flying humanoid. Uh, it almost looks like a shadow or, or shadow person, but indeed it's flying, it's gliding uh, through the air. So some of these concepts that are being discussed uh, are not new, uh, are not even modern, and, and are most certainly not limited to Europe, Eurasia, uh, North America, Canada, you know, are absolutely being documented historically, uh, but also in modern times, um, in all, all regions of the world and, and even Africa. Another vampire is the Impondalu. The Impondalu, this vampire is from the Eastern Cape region of South Africa. The Impondalu is actually a witch's servant or rather familiar. It's usually owned by female witch and is later passed on by, uh, by the, the mother to the daughter. So it's almost like a zombie, um, an enslaved spirit, if you will, that's then inherited down, uh, captured and then passed down uh, through, through the family. To some degree, this is also done in Haiti, by the way. We're in the capturing of souls and the capturing of spirits in, in Kobe, uh, often when a Hogana or Great Mambo passes on, those pots, those Tories, those implements are then transferred um, to a godchild, not just a blood relative, but someone who initiated in, in the care for those implements. I think we see it to some degree also in, in Lukumi, um, the passing down of Tories and pots and implements, um, particularly when people uh, pass away um, to, to the children, or if not biological children, the, the spirits or religious children uh, of the owner, previous owner, so that that power is not um, released nefariously or released improperly, and then could later uh, show up and cause um, harm in the culture, in the community, in, in the society. This vampire had an insatiable love for blood. The Impondalu would feed on not only humans, but also cattle as well. And we see in the ancient uh, alien theorist stories about newer modern alien um, intervention, um, we see the sort of mutilation of, of cattle which has been well documented, by the way, but no one can particularly explain the mutilation of, of the cattle and sheep, uh, herd animals in particular, um, not just wild animals, but particularly um, herd animals, farm animals, animals that we would corral um, in, in large groups together. And so we find in South Africa that the Imprimzulu would also feed upon people's cattle. Unlike other African vampires, which usually appear in some monstrous form, the Impondalu looks a lot like a gorgeous young male, which is why some girl, some, um, some legends claim that this witch and her Impondalu would become um, more than just familiar, but, but would be intimately uh, involved. It would be suggested that um, the witch, the practitioner, uh, is now form a marriage, a commitment to the spirit. Um, and we see uh, 
marriage, mirage, voodoo mirage in Haiti, uh, in the marrying of Loa, and a official, formal, technical marriage ceremony takes place with with bridegrooms, with with uh, maids, with with witnesses, uh, with participants, uh, with the after party, um, and, and all of the the above. It is one of the mysteries in Haitian voodoo practice and tradition, the, the marriage to a loa. And so certain days might be gifted, surrendered to, to the loa. And so you might not even be involved with your husband or your wife um, during that particular period of fasting. Fasting might be a, a safe way uh, to, share, to share this information. Certain foods you can't eat, certain taboos that you must adhere to um, and follow in the voodoo mirage to a particular particular loa or deity. And by way of this mirage, it is said that the owner gains a certain access to power, information, um, miraculous power through, through this relationship that new skills are taught on, new information um, is passed on from the, the loa to the the divorce or the, the the partner who who the person has the um, the marriage with. So this this again is our new world con concept. Um, it's a concept that has a uh, indeed an ancient and indigenous footprint. Um, and, and right now I'm looking at Africa, but I can easily pull out Australia. I can easily pull out Asia. I can easily look at other regions of the world and find similarities to these spirits and these practices. Um, thank you so much, um, everyone, for being actively engaged. Um, I'm shy and, and participating. Um, who do occultism? You're asking, do people still use these spirits? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, hands down, without a doubt. Um, as I've already suggested, and you know what I'm going to say, we don't see it as much. We don't hear about it as much. Uh, because the internet is dominated uh, for the most part by the Western world. I mean, it's available to anyone who has access to internet. I mean, I've spoken specifically about African nations where the internet is, is not even allowed. And, and if it is allowed, you're absolutely not allowed to get involved in social media, to making certain uh, types of commentary. So we're not seeing these um, I'm trying to be diplomatic now. These lesser served communities of ethnic groups and cultures and traditions showing up online the way we do Western cultures, the way we do European cultures, the way we do um, even Maria Leonza, for instance, which is a, the biggest indigenous ancestral practice in Venezuela. But few people know that here in the States. Few, few people know that in the Western world. So, um, yeah, they're absolutely still active. They're absolutely still being being utilized. These forces are absolutely still being tapped into. Um, Shell Lenore, thank you so much for your comment and your participation. Thank you so much. Uh, Guinevere Reed, a lot to you as well, beloved. Thank you so much for your comments and your participation. I'm glad to hear you also um, enjoy coast to coast. If you never listen to coast to coast, you're missing something. Now, let me say, 
It ain't like Art Bell. Art Bell was the original host of Coast to Coast, and those were the glory days of Coast to Coast. And they often will recycle those shows um, in archives on the live broadcast for you to hear um, the, the Art Bell days of Coast to Coast. But it's still a very powerful show. Um, they talk about everything from psychic skills and abilities to um, numerology, divine math, ancestral intervention, um, alien intervention, ancient alien, um, governmental conspiracies. Right now, they're covering everything from 5G um, to um, coronavirus. <laughs> so it's it's a powerful show, very entertaining show for you, those who find you can't sleep at night, um, you're up at night, or you work graveyard shift, uh, Coast to Coast will ride you through uh, to, to the break of dawn. <laughs> coast to Coast will ride you through until your local uh, talk radio show, uh, talk radio stations begin to air day, day four, five, six o'clock in the morning. Um, news and early morning shows. It's an all-night show. Um, yeah, the black Jews are called Coptic Jews, Ethiopian Jews, African Jews, and Balashi Jews. And, and some of them um, I was referencing um, made that trip back to Israel because uh, I know a few of them um, and, and I can't remember now what in, in what context we were we were discussing that. So please forgive me. Um, I don't always see the chat right away. Um, I'm hearing thought indigenous people couldn't be witnesses. No, Kiona, you're hearing that wrong. Um, particularly if you're hearing it from me, I'm saying that indigenous people don't support witches. Indigenous people don't see the concept of being a witch as a positive thing. And so in the context of vampires, that's not a positive thing. And so a, a witch, male or female, it's often female in, in this South African context, but, but male or female who would then harness such a thing, a vampire, a impalu, uh, my tongue gets all twisted up when I start trying to the impondaloo, um, that's not a positive thing. That's not something one would want to aspire to. And their locations, even now, Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon, you can be stoned to death. They're not calling the police. They're not waiting on intervention from the government. Um, they ain't waiting on pastor evangelists to come and work it out. Um, there are places in the Congo, there are places in um, Sudan, there, there are places all over Africa um, where you can literally be lynched, lynched by your community um, for the fear of, of being a witch. So the Western concept of witch, particularly our black witches, is that it's somehow a positive thing, it's an empowering thing. Oh, I'm just getting back to my roots, I'm just getting back to my, my ancestors. No, you're not. Because if you're getting back to your ancestors, then you, you know there's a difference between divine magic and witchcraft. I, I like to think about childbirth. Some people say the black woman is God. Therefore, the black woman is God. <laughs> okay? And, so the, and, and, and when we think about what Iyami is, 
and how Iyami is often misinterpreted as, as witchcraft. But the act of pushing a baby out, ain't that an act? Of, that's an act of divine magic. That's not witchcraft. That's an act of divine magic. So in the Western concept, you know, bewitched and Halloween witch, you know, we've given witch, you know, a, a familiar, a safe faith, just like demons, just like jinn, just like voodoo, just, just like all these traditions. There's this, this aggressive overriding attempt to make it safe for people in the context of Western culture where Islam is supreme, Judaism is supreme, Christianity is, is supreme. So no, being a witch in Africa is never a good thing. It's not something that people aspire to do. It is a, a um, concept that is well understood in many regions of the indigenous world. Um, and you can be killed for it, hands down. Hag, um, Guinevere is a Eurocentric word. Um, they are considered a, a, a Eurocentric form of event. Hag, um, succubus, incubus. We describe some of those characteristics um, in some of the the forms of the earlier forms of African vampires that I mentioned earlier on in the document uh, of having a a sexual energy and or nature about them. Uh, in one case, um, where the Impundalu, for instance, are uh, said to often mask as beautiful young men. They're not scary. They're not frightful. And, and so then the idea that they can then attach themselves to women or men, just like hags or just like um, succubus in, in European culture. Now, hags tend to be frightful, scary, old, haggard, but, but a hag can also show up as a young, attractive female and ride you. And in the course of the ride, the human then realizes that they're being rode by this old, haggard hag. Um, it's been displayed in movies, it's been played around with in creative imagination um, many times over, but it's also part of the legend that follow hag um, in, in, in European in European culture. I'm, I'm, I wasn't sure, Kiona, that I ever gave out a number. I just started um, calling them off. Now, listen, I've been watching. Now, I'm looking at your spelling. So you clearly know the document that I'm pulling from. Um, I just never did say how many. In fact, there are more than what on this list. Uh, the last one on the list that you're looking at is a Ramanga. A Ramanga. And this is a, a, a living vampire found among the found among the Basilio tribe in Madagascar. And the Ramanga is a person that performs disgusting services for the chief of the tribe. Whenever a person of high standing had his or her nails clipped or endured a medical treatment in which blood was spilled, the Ramanga was expected to eat the nail clipping and drink the blood 
if there wasn't a Ramanga nearby at the time, the clippings and the blood were carefully preserved until the return of the ceremonial vampire. Um, and, and this, um, in my opinion, is probably one of the more frightful of them all because we're really speaking to humans who operated in the role of ingesting of sort of these leftover um, remains of the of the royal family in order to keep their power from being captured. Um, and some of that practice still shows up today. It, it shows up in my family. Uh, I have family till this, day, till this day who won't clip their nails, who won't comb through their hair and leave that hair and those nail clippings anywhere for anybody to access. Um, and they will burn them. They will set them alight. Um, some will flush them, um, thinking that that's somehow a, a safer alternative to just, you know, leaving them, leaving them about. I personally never clip my nails in the house, period, ever, 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 ever. And <laughs> so I clip my nails um, in the house, and, and I don't allow other people to do either. Um, so that fear, that anxiety, that warning is something that, that is not just ancient, um, it's not just cultural or, or ethnic specific, um, but it's something that we find throughout all remote regions of the world. Um, one day when I have more time, I'm going to do Mayan and Aztec and, and some of the other ethnic groups that, that we now intersect with. I wanted to talk a little bit more today about Maria Leonza in particular as a uh, a voodoo or, or an indigenous practice because of its size and its strength in, in, in Venezuela, in, in South America, in, in Latin culture, but also because of its striking similarities, if you will, to hoodoo, root work, conjure practice. Maria Leonza is an indigenous Venezuelan religion that dates back to the 14th century, combining Catholic, West African, and indigenous religion. It was outlawed from being practiced until 1959. At that time in history, Maria Leonza no longer hides from society, being transferred through means of oral tradition and family kinship. Instead, it has built a strong foundation through politics, and documented literature. Now we might see um, Kuju and Conjure have gained um, sort of a new visibility through uh, oral tradition and through music. I've been inserting uh, hoodoo blues and root work blues and Conjure oriented uh, music onto my um, YouTube platform. And, and, and I see about 50 of you or listen to the music and, and enjoy the music. But I invite many more of you to take the time to visit my main uh, YouTube page, uh, youtube.com forward slash voodoo tie, B-O-O-D-O-O-T-Y-E, and listen to some of this, uh, some of this music. As the pilgrimage has gained popularity and approximately 50% of Venezuelans attend, the state has become involved in in the practice, the tradition, 
the religion that is the real he owns us. In nineteen sixty the state named Mount Sorte the location of the pilgrimage for Maria Leonza, a national park, giving them more authority over the land. So now not only do, do does this practice, a hoodoo-like practice in Venezuela, um, have a tradition, have a, a pilgrimage um, that has become a part of the, the national, the state um, um, activity, but they now have land on which to actively participate and, and practice their sacred tradition. However, it was not until the late 1980s that Mount Sorte was named a national monument, changing laws regarding the treatment of the mountain and its inhabitants. And since it has been made a national monument, guards have been placed at stations to keep an eye on the monument, on, on this sacred site. And in recent years, the state has become more and more involved in the pilgrimage itself. So the state has now also found a way to sort of, um, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, and has sort of taken on um, control, if you will, of this practice of Maria Leonza to some degree. And, and so therefore, that automatically changes what's done, um, what's presented, what's authentic, um, and, and, and what's uh, considered legitimate. Uh, you've heard me say in previous shows that, oh, wow, I'm running out of time. Uh, you've heard me say in previous shows that um, you're not seeing sacred ceremonies often in Congo Square because of the legalities of Congo Square being a public place in a public park in a city that's open to all people in a modern context. Um, we see sort of a ceremonial acknowledgement of what ancient history has told us have, have gone on in, in Congo Square. But you're not seeing real voodoo. You're not seeing active ceremony there because we have to share that space um, with other people. What sets Maria Leonza apart is now having access to this mountain on which they can now live and reside and perform this loosely organized tradition. Another reason that I compare Leon, uh, Maria Leonza to Hoodoo, um, it doesn't have a, a text, it doesn't have a book, um, it doesn't necessarily have a, a, a hierarchy of, of leaders, if you will, and, and even the practices themselves among um, adherents and, and participants of um, Maria Leonza uh, vary um, a great degree of degree from person to person, location to location, family to family, just like hoodoo, just like root work, just like like conjure. Um, so this is a great introduction into Maria Leonza. I'm, I'm probably going to go a whole great deal more into Maria Leonza on tomorrow. Um, it's a quarter to two. I appreciate your time and your energy and your love and your support. I have an open phone line at area code 847. I'm sorry, 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. are listening, but no one is commenting and or participating. I am looking at my live chat, uh, Kiona, to help me find um, 
help me find my questions in the chat. I see Guinevere's comments. The women in her family have always passed down to us to never leave your hair. Children's hair or lover's hair, nail clippings or blood. Cloth pads around because they can be used for voodoo um, um, and hoodoo. Uh, absolutely. They don't do that in voodoo, but they most certainly do that in, in, in voodoo. Um, and it's still common even today. <laughs> even, even today in, in, in Louisiana, um, people typically um, adhere to that. Even if it's a superstition, uh, they typically adhere to that. We're going to lose those phone lines soon in terms of your ability to call in and ask your question. So you really should get on the phone lines now at 845-277-9143. In the, in the event that you indeed plan to have a question or comment you'd like to share uh, at 2 o'clock as we move into the archive hour. Um, if we are, are still broadcasting. Weird Mafia asks, what are some of the ways to prevent and keep uh, vampires out and, and keep them from uh, interfering in your life? And, and I know I expanded a little bit on your question. She just said, uh, what are some ways to keep vampires away? Um, there are all sorts of ways. Um, cleaning is critical. Um, I say that all the time. One of the first things that we do, whether it's hoodoo, conjure, root work, voodoo, is the cleanliness, the the development of sacred space. And even if we're talking about your home, even if we're talking about yourself, and the higher your light, the higher your power, the higher your vibration, it makes it much more difficult for wayward gems, uh, demons, vampires. To even have access to you. Uh, even when we look at your Eurocentric based vampire vampire um, culture and tradition, there's that element of uh, volunteering that comes into play. Um, vampires typically can't just ascend onto you um, without you giving them permission in some way, without you opening up to them in some way, without you letting them in. Hence the um, Impalu, which is an attractive male figure, might be of interest to to the right woman, might be sexually attractive to the right woman. And, and some of you are seeking partners and relationships through what it looked like, how attractive it is, how much money do they have, what type of car do they drive, and that beloved is an entryway into allowing vampires into your into your world, into, into your existence. Um, that's the way we voluntarily open the door. Um, me and my mom discussed yesterday about donations and being uh, uh, philanthropic, and, and particularly in this particular time when so many people are in need um, and asking for things and how little uh, it takes for some people to give to open up if they hear the right sad story or if they see the right um, animal commercial um, and how quickly they might open up and, and, and give up their, their offering and or donation. And she shared a story about someone she knew who had been gifting um, this, I'm being careful about not giving away too many details. This 
religious families who had been making crusades to Africa, only to find out later on that this family was quite possibly wealthy, um, lived in a mansion, <laughs> um, owned several businesses, um, but then still gave that sort of that look of need and charity and, and utilize that to their advantage. We talked a few days ago about news articles over the years of people who uh, in Chicago, in, in Miami, uh, in a wheelchair or, or, or look homeless or, or look like they on the street. Um, that has become a new job, by the way. That has become a new industry. Um, up until this virus, we had somebody set up at every uh, traffic stop in town in New Orleans with a sign and a cup and a bucket. Um, and some of these people are going home to housing, beloved. Some of these people are going home to cars. Uh, one young, young lady sits up in front of a business every day and leaves and gets in a, in a huge luxury car. And so people begin to challenge the business in terms of are you allowing this to happen? Are you in cahoots? You know, why aren't you, you know, preventing this, you know, sort of thing from happening? So it's real easy for people to let their guard down with mafia to not just vampires, but to demons and jinn by way of the trick that we we say is Eshu, by way of the trick that we say is Legba. Because remember now, Legba has to open and close the door. Legba has to open and close the gate. And you all hear me say all the time, the trick that we try and accuse Legba of is really self. It's really ego. It's really when we think we know, when we think we got it down, when we think we got everything covered, when we think we, we, we're, we're fine and we're operating from ignorance or operating from ego or, or, or operating and leaning on our own understanding um, with mafia, that's when we open the door and give permission to and allow vampires to come in. And sometimes they will test you first. Uh, we see that in the horror movies. Um, they might come up with, you know, a need, you know, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Okay, but then a cup of sugar turns into a bag of flour, you know, or a pound of, you know, fat meat, you know, or, you know, or money to pay my rent, you know. So we all open up that door by, um, even if we think we're doing right, even if we think we're doing good by getting in our feelings, you know, you rely or relying on your emotions. Or, or relying on your sympathies, or relying on you on your visuals, what you think you're looking at, what you think you see. You know, over the years, I've done something on this show that many people still to this day won't do. I invite y'all to look at me. I invite y'all to investigate my footprint. My mom will be here sometimes on the show. My sister be here sometimes on, on the show. I got people I went to, not high school, kindergarten, grammar school, junior high school with that, that are in my social media. So I'm in no way hiding on any level. <clears throat> and I invite people to do their research. But it's surprising to me how little research people will not only do before they, you know, give a total West African stranger a thousand dollars to fix their love life, but how easy it is for many of you to open up your heart. You know, whether it be to the stray cat, whether it be to the stray stranger, whether it be to uh, the possible criminal, 
whether it be to the potential love connection. Some of you are not willing to do the homework or the minute your feelings and your emotions and your chemistry gets involved, um, all bets are off. You're not seeing clearly. And so weird ma uh, weird ma uh, ma mafia, weird mafia, that's how the um, vampires get in. It's when we put our guard down things that we should be wise enough, smart enough to be paying attention to. Because of my year, my years on the street, back in the day when I was when I was a homeless kid, I learned to pay attention to what was on the ground. So even now, I'm acutely aware of how easy it is for us to walk about, especially in these big cities, and not pay attention to what's on the ground at all. If folks are on their device, they're not even looking up. Not only are they not looking at the ground, they're not looking at traffic, they're not paying attention to the obstacles along the way, the obstacles in the road. And that's how vampires find their way. Thank you, Kiona. Who do occultism ask? Let's say if someone tried to harm a person who married to a spirit, what happens? Um, just like Sajidi, <laughs> just like a Bochi, um, but greater than a spirit double, greater than Egbi. Uh, and it's a similar concept as Ifa, Egbi, by the way. Um, the deity attacks um, someone who rightfully married to um, uh, a loa um, has the protection, it's said they have the protection of that loa. It's also said they have the taboos of that loa. So if that loa, you know, has a, uh, has a preference for uh, things that are white, um, you can't eat rice, you can't eat mashed potatoes, you can't eat french fries, you can't eat grated coconut, you can't drink milk, you can't uh, uh, eat ice cream. Um, if, if those are taboo for that particular uh, uh, loa deity that you're in the in the mirage with, different deities have different requirements. So it's going to be uh, very indivi individualistic to not only that power but the road uh, of that power that that manifesting. Um, but they absolutely will defend, protect um, for many years. Um, I've documented sort of that occurrence in my own life. Um, I've never been one to quickly want to put a curse on somebody, bind somebody, do somebody harm. Um, my sister tell you, I, I even wasn't a fighter as a kid. I, I was a kid that would have been more likely to have been bullied than, than to have been, you know, aggressive um, in any way. But even your magical book says, touch not my anointing. Even your magical book says, it's, it's better to do occultism that a millstone be tied around your neck than to touch my anointing. So this is not just a Buddha concept. It shows up even in, in religion, the idea of doing harm to uh, the righteous, doing harm to someone undeserving, doing harm to someone who's done no harm to you. Um, the presence of the of the Buddha mirage just makes that amplified, um, just just makes that show up um, much sooner than it might in nature. You know, we put fertilizer and 
and, and sometimes um, um, natural uh, and organic fertilizers on our gardens to help, you know, fuel the growth process, to help speed up the growth process and, and to give them extra nourishment for endurance, endurance, endurance and strength. And so the voodoo marriage has many of the similar um, outcomes for someone who's crossed. I've warned people about crossing spirit and spirit lines. Um, some of you know the story of someone breaking into my house and violating shrines um, and ending up dead within a matter of five days. So um, it's very um, dangerous, uh, Kimberly McTow, to work with demons, jinns, but also Loa and Arisha. Very dangerous. And, and particularly if you aren't knowledgeable of the Loa, the Arisha, the Jinn, uh, it, it can be extremely dangerous. Um, I've, I've often talked about them answering your sort of desperate pleas for help, uh, but then there always being some sort of price attachment to it. There's always an ebo, there's always a sacrifice um, attached to it. And so the risk is your own your own blood. The risk is your own life. The risk is your own sense of well-being. And again, Kimberly Mattel, that's where Eshu comes in. That's where the trick comes in, um, where we think that by building some relationship with, with demons and jinn, um, that we can only get and reap the positive uh, benefits of that without ever having some negative repercussion, without ever developing some debit on your record that then has to show up somewhere else in your life. So you harness a gym, you harness a demon, you know, to gain great financial um, prosperity, for instance. Um, the, price, the price of that might be your child. The price of that might be your children. The price of that might be your lover or your or your spouse or your love relationship path. Um, so, so there's always a give and take and there's always a risk, always a risk attached to demons and gin. Um, so I don't teach it. I don't suggest it. I don't advise it. Uh, I've had to uh, I've correct it. I've had to address it when it shows up, you know, through, through my godchildren or all my clients. But it's not a good idea uh, to work with them, no. To bind them, block them, rebuke them, send them back to their origin. Kimberly Mattel, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Absolutely. But to work with them, no. No. Um, yeah, vampires are extremely deceptive, um, weird mafia, just like in the movie. Um, they can mirror. In fact, let me get biblical just for a second and pull from the magical book. It is said that Lucifer was the most attractive angel in heaven. Lucifer had the power of music, creativity, art. So we take that symbolism and transfer it back to the earth. Then it would say that any jinn, any vampire, any demon with shape shifting quality and sometimes they're not always shape shifters sometimes they can present an illusion 
They can, like a glass, like a mirror, like a hologram, they can present an illusion. And so sometimes that illusion is very real. It, it's tangible. It, it's physical. It, it's material. Other times that illusion is, 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 is like twilight zone. And you see it, but other people don't. You're in love with it, but your girlfriends and them don't get it. They don't see it at all, and they don't, and they don't understand why you don't see it either. And so it could very well be uh, a gin. It could very well be a vampire. And yes, these forces can show up very human. They, they, they are often your friends, your family, your love interest, your coworkers, people that you, you know, are sometimes around intimately every day. <laughs> you know, so thank you, Danette Gibbs. For your resounding very dangerous absolutely very dangerous um yes kiona being married to a loa absolutely requires a ceremony absolutely um it, it, it's done by calling but through ceremony um if we're looking at haitian voodoo for instance um the mambo the whole god might be possessed with loa and then pronounced the coming marriage or the coming connection or the coming relationship upon you in, in the course of ceremony, ritual ceremony. But then in an authentic voodoo ritual, that would then have to be verified. Because y'all heard me say the other day, people can fake the Holy Ghost, people can fake tongues, people can fake trances. And so that would have to be validated, validated by way of divination. And then the marriage, just like any real marriage, has been planned for. You know, from, from your plates, cups, and saucers to the attire to what's going to be worn by the participants in the ceremony. Um, so, so it's a big deal. Um, it has, unfortunately, to some degree, become a part of the, the economic engine of many third world countries. Um, that have religion, that have culture, that have tradition, that are very attractive to the Western world. And so now these ceremonies have become a part of tourism. And so I know some people personally who are, you know, running a tourist pipeline uh, from here to Haiti and back uh, for these um, ceremonies in which people are marrying Loa primarily for vain reasons, for uh, vanity, for greed, uh, for power and control, and not for spirit. Uh, greetings, Sterling Miller. Thank you so much, Michael uh, Teganai. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Thank you so much for being present and sharing in the show. Do the Orisha ever take lives? I believe that's your question. Do the Orisha ever take lives, Sterling Miller is asking. Absolutely. Um, the Orisha will take a life um, when they feel violated. The Orisha will take a life when someone has um, consciously chosen to violate taboos. Um, so that's someone who actively, consciously has received Orisha on their head who knows better, who knows what the taboos are, who knows what the rules and regulations are, who then sets out to go against that. But that would also apply to someone who dabbling in Orisha, who has no legitimate connection to Orisha at all, uh, who has not had voodoo marriage, who has not had 
a, a real ceremony, giving them access to the mystery, the secret. I, I described that the other day as having the access to a woman's sacred parts, having the access to a man's sacred parts. Um, we don't randomly do that to strangers. Well, we should. Uh, I know we have some free thinkers in the room, but um, we we describe it in a very similar fashion. So, yeah, Arisha can kill. Yeah, Arisha can kill if they're violated, if they feel offended, um, if people are trying to access them and, and use them um, in violation of their protocols in any way. Um, Arisha can actually absolutely take lives take the lives of those who violate, but also the lives of uh, those that you might consider loved ones um, or, or close to you. Thank you so much, uh, Kiona, for your efforts in the chat and sharing our information, contact information. I appreciate that. We um, truly need and accept your offerings, your donations by way of PayPal. Use my paypal.me forward slash the divine prince. And of course, I'm always open to your questions, comments, and requests. Personal questions, comments, and requests by way of email at divine prince at houseofthedivineprince.com or by way of my website at www.houseofthedivineprince.com. Some of you are trying to use my um, services list as sort of a uh, shopping cart, if you will. And it, it's really not set up that way. Um, some of the information is not correct on it um, because of some technical stuff that's going on with many of the sites right now uh, with their lack of employees um, to sort of service some things. Like all of my comments are not showing up on my Google business page right now uh, because of the coronavirus. So always send a direct request to me. Uh, or use the contact form in my website uh, to send your direct question and a request to me. And then I'll give you the specific details, the specific answer, the specific um, requirements to meet whatever the uh, service and or request is that you might seek from me. All is indeed a blessing. Am I missing my questions, my comments? Oh, I see one. Uh, Kimberly McTall. Do I have to be initiated to begin voodoo or can one be self-taught? Um, there is no self-taught voodoo, voodoo, conjure, root work, or band, period. There just isn't. And I compare that to chemistry. I compare that to medicine. Um, let, let's think of something that we consider less uh, benevolent. Eating. Eating. We all can eat. We all have the right to eat. We all have the need and the right to, as, as human beings, to have food and to have nourishment. We all have the freedom and the access to the grocery store. But everybody can't cook. Everybody can't cook. <laughs> okay? And you might have a house full of recipe books, which used to be popular back in the day before the internet. Now we have, you know, internet sources. I have some that email recipes right to your mailbox every day. That don't make you Chef Ramsay. That, that don't make you a B. Smith, okay? 
that does not make you a cook. And so one might say, well, I am self-taught and I did learn how to bake and I did learn how to prepare, you know, certain meals. But you did a lot of study. You did a lot of research. You did a lot of practice. You messed up a lot of food. Or you sat at the foot of Big Mama and ain't she so-and-so and, and and maybe your dad, you know, might be the, the best cook in, in your family. You know, maybe your uncle might be the best chef in your family. You might have grew up in the house with Leah Chase, okay? But that don't necessarily make you the best cook if that's not where your passion is or if that's not where your skill set is, if that's not where your innate abilities uh, might be. And, and then even the best cooks, the best self-made cooks are then going to educate themselves by listening to and following and, and, and taking in many a YouTube video of some of the best cooks in the world. So I, I compare it to that. I, I compare it to that. There's no self-initiation. There's no self-taught with voodoo. You might as well be doing witchcraft. You might as well be doing black magic, which even that has rules to it. Even that has protocols to it. Even demonology and Satanism has rules to it, or you can absolutely harm yourself. So it's just like cooking. You wouldn't let your kids around the stove before they were old enough, before they were mature enough, before they were ready enough, you know, before they could really read and dissect uh, uh, a recipe uh, and, and know how to use a measuring cup, know how to use a difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon and, and, and et cetera. So there, there's no self-taught. Uh, there really isn't. And in the best case scenario, even in Haiti, even in Benin, even in Nigeria, even in Ghana, even in Mississippi, even in Louisiana, even in Missouri, you're going to grow up with parents who are doing this regularly, connecting with others who are doing this regularly. Um, and so their, their skill set, my skill set is not contingent on me being self-taught. I've not only read a lot of books and studied a lot of books, but I've also sat under a lot of people and humbled myself to a lot of people. Um, so there is no self-taught, beloved. Who do occultism is asking why Haitians are not open to you black people in America. Um, for some of what I'm, I'm talking about right now, um, many Haitians are more likely to go and uh, more likely to grow up in it. Just like we grow up in the church, many of us. We know what church looks like. We know what a church service is made from. We know the, the, the typical itinerary that should be anticipated, even if you're visiting somebody else's church. Now, when you start crossing denominations, things get a little different. Now, you might not jump up and say hallelujah at the Methodist church. You know, you might not speak in tongue at the quote-unquote Baptist church. So there are going to be um, lineage-based differences, even in Haiti, for instance. So my family my bloodline, my lineage, my community did things a certain way. Uh, and then there's a the trust factor, you know, with not just Haitians, but ethnic groups outside the country. Haitians are, are no different really in many ways than Hondurians 
or Panamanian or or Puerto Rican or, or Dominican, you know, or, or Brazilian. Um, Haitians are not that different, um, no more than we would be if we were then brought to a foreign country. You know, if you took a black American to Brazil, you're going to gravitate to other Americans. You're going to gravitate to other African Americans. You're going to gravitate to other Brazilians who identify with your position as an African American, who identify with your experience. So Haitians aren't a whole lot different than that. Um, Nigerians aren't a whole lot different than that. The initiation that African Americans are receiving by going to a soap bowl, for instance, um, it's not what you would get if you were born in a soap bowl, or if you had been going to a soap bowl every year, religiously, for a decade, you're absolutely going to have a, a more of a relationship. When I try and use common words, I say relationship building. People in the West don't know how to build relationships. I don't care if you're Black, White, Asian, Hispanic, rich or poor, especially if you got gadgets, cell phones, tablets, if you're on the internet, your, your social have been tainted just by Western culture itself. And so we expect things too quick, we expect things too easy, we expect things without any any commitment. And sometimes commitment is just, hell, what is your name? Man, some of these profiles and these names, I mean, it, it, it might as well not be any name. It might as well not be any face. <clears throat> and in many cases, there is no face. There is no details. It, it's a pretty flower or a tree or, 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 you know, a car, some image. And then the name is none your business. The details is none of your damn business, <laughs> you know, but we expect to connect. We expect to socialize. Um, some of you want to socialize in that environment, in that no-name environment, with a robot, with an algorithm. That don't require no name. That don't require to know your, your language or your location, you know, or, or your picadillos as a particular person, you know, so I, I don't think Haitians in particular are any different than any other ethnic group, but Haitians often understand the value of voodoo from a cultural, ethno-touristic perspective. That's their goal is voodoo. They know you're coming to Haiti for their voodoo. They know you don't give a damn about their poverty. They know you don't give a damn about their lack of access to clean water you know, or, or, or some of the things that we in, in the state take for granted. So, yeah, they, they're not going to just, why would they give it to you? Well, if they give it to you, give it away, give it to you for free. We won't respect it in the West. And two, what then do we need Haiti for? Listen, Haiti, one of the poorest nations, in, in the Western Hemisphere. And even when we look at North America, South America, Haiti is real low. And so their tourism, just like Oshobo needs their tourism, just like Thailand needs their tourism, just like China needs their tourism, 
these regions that might be economically challenged are absolutely willing to take your money. And I'm not saying for bad purposes, I'm not saying for ill motivation, but you wanna come to my country and see me sing and dance and perform and give you a, 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 a five minute voodoo experience, we can't, judge, we can't judge the Haitians for that. We can't judge the Haitians for that. And when they look at through the, through the crystal ball, the social media, just like I do, and they see how you all are using this knowledge, using this symbolism, using this imagery, no, they ain't about to give it to you. Why? Does that not make sense? Who do occultism? Why? <laughs> Why would they be ready to just give it away? Why would they be ready to say, oh, my brother, you are my brother, you are my cousin, you are my sister. We come from same grandma and grandfather, same root. Please take all of my secrets, take all of my, my jewels, take all of my precious power and knowledge, much as already been done in many of these parts of the world. You know, the resources that come up out of the land, the wood, the minerals, the oil, you know, in some cases, the very soil itself. Why would they give it away? And that's just on the American Western material level. Spiritually, why would you give something away that's of value only to have it be selling? Young man, young woman, why would you give up your goods, the, the punani and the power stick? Do you know the power of the black penis? But we, you know, you don't think about that when you're at the club. But now we want these cultures and these traditions to, to just give up their secrets to the Western world after we've seen what they've done with peyote, after we've seen uh, what they've done with, with other uh, uh, substances and other cultural traditions and nuances. We now become the modern-day colonizers. We now become the modern-day missionaries, people of color, because now you have the boat and the ship and the money and the plane and the passport, just like our former oppressors to then now travel and oppress too. We all know a brother that loves to go and, and document voodoo in West Africa. And it's been some years now he's been doing this. I'm not calling any names. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so what has he done with that information? And, and how much of those West African secrets can we see demonstrated through him? Because like the Haitians in Hoodoo Occultism question, they're not readily giving that to you for no amount of money. You got to, I know some people, Baba Luther, go to Africa every year, sometimes a couple times a year. It's building relationship with Ghanaians. It's building relationship with Nigeria. And because of that, we now have a relationship with Oshobo, Nigeria, New Orleans. We now have a relationship with, with uh, Araba, Elababu. Be because of that, we have to be willing to build relationships. I see you in Badu, I see you in Facebook, I see you in Instagram, 
I see you in Twitter. I see how some of you act here. You have no relationship building skills at all. You have no problem sitting and watching me for three hours without communicating, without talking, without asking a question, without being a part of the, the give and take. So why would Haiti, why would Nigeria, why would South Africa give away, give away these traditions to us just because we're their long lost enslaved descendants whose mind might not even be right after having come through enslavement. So there are many answers to that. <laughs> there are many answers to why. Um, may I say something? May I say something? Absolutely. So Hoodoo Occultism asked the question, um, do you feel like the Latina community um, are culture vultures in the ATR traditions? And I wanted to chime in because we had um, went back and forth a couple of times in the chat. Um, I don't think so because no. um, um, he says, I really think they've, I honestly think because of uh, um, in their version, they've kept it alive because a lot, many of us didn't know about our traditions because it was taken from us. Many of you would not know Orisha if it weren't for the, for the Hispanic community. Many of you would know nothing about Orisha if it weren't for, for the Cubans and the Puerto Ricans. Now, let's be fair. We have to look at slavery, beloved. So there was a relationship between the Vatican, between the Catholic Church and Cuba, and ultimately the Hispanic Empire, the Spanish Empire, that allowed the enslavement of Africans to keep their traditions because they found that it kept us at peace. It kept us more willing to, to stay present and do the work as long as we took on Catholicism. So that's how the synchronizing and the amalgamation originally began. Whether we're talking about Lukumi, Santeria, Voodoo, Palo, anything that's Western now, that's manifest on this side of the ocean, up uh, 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 Maria Leonza, uh, from from the top to the bottom, we were unique in that we didn't have mountainous regions to escape to. We only had the swamps here in the south, really, to escape to, or the north to escape to. But there was nowhere where we could set up camp out, outright in the open and practice these traditions in a way that the Hispanic community had the availability. And not just the Hispanic community, the Portuguese community. Remember now, it's more slaves in Brazil than anywhere. Than anywhere. More slaves went through Brazil than through the U.S., than through North America. So we also see through Ken Dable the maintenance of these traditions. If it weren't for them, we might not have it here. We might only have that root work conjure as convoluted as it shows up to people, that might all be all that we would have. And we would now be doing this work to peek back to the Yoruba, the Khan, and the Fon, and et cetera. If it weren't not only for the Hispanic community, but also for our artisans, our, our, our Catherine Dunham, great dancers, um, Chuck Davis, another great dancer, um, who, who not only taught Black dance, Black culture, African culture, 
but made sure that we were connected to the language, the drum rhythm, the beat, et cetera. So no, I don't see them as culture vultures. I don't. Um, where, where I do see the problem is, just like the question was suggested about the Haitians, we can't force them to be open to African-Americans if African-Americans aren't open to Hispanic culture, to Latin culture, to the other aspects of who they are as, as a people. Now, I haven't had a whole lot of problems with Hispanic people. I, I, I use Google Translate. I, I've studied Spanish 101, you know, 102. I, I have a little bit of mobility in, in not just the language, but the culture and the tradition. So I haven't found a whole lot, but I have found when we get in these spaces, especially back in the day, Ming, N-I-N-G, Facebook, MySpace, Yahoo 360, it was always about an argument and a debate because they are coming from the perspective of we were, we are descendants of the middle passage too. We have the, the middle passage blood link in us too. And we have maintained the culture up until 70s, well, really the 80s, the 90s, when now the African-American community is getting in on it, primarily through the internet. And they're seeing what I see, it being come at incorrectly, it being come at improperly, it being taught or demonstrated from, from no real tangible space. So that's when I saw ego rise up in social media in terms of how we interact, the Hispanic community and the black community as it relates to ATR. And they're saying, look, I've been doing this since birth. My grandmama did this. My great granddaddy did this. Now you all are just now getting woke, just now getting on board, just now want to experience your reefs of romance. And y'all want to be Baba Laos, Ianisas, magical practitioners, witches, which ain't even proper, overnight in the tradition. So, yeah, they would feel offended. They would feel bruised. They have developed a relationship directly with West Africa. I, I know some uh, 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 West Africans who are posting in Spanish. They are posting in, in Portuguese because those communities have already shown a commitment a cross-cultural commitment to, to those cultures, not not just the religion of Ifa, not just Yoruba. We are still struggling to do that, still struggling to do that. Even when we see African-Americans marrying West Africans, the lifestyle that they typically mirror back to us is Christian and Western. They go to church, they got great jobs, great houses, live in the suburbs. We're not seeing Ifa mirrored back through them. We're not seeing a con mirrored back through them. So it looks like Hispanic dominance, you know, to some degree, it looks like, and that's an illusion. You know, my uh, Botanica is owned by Hispanic. Speak very little English at all. I have to use Google Translate. I have to work it out, but so are they, so are they. You know, the, the woman will call me and, and she's using her best English. You know, she, we've both gotten beyond apologizing for not speaking grammatically correct, but she makes the effort to speak English. I make an effort to speak Spanish and we come together and we have a great, great relationship. 
Uh, I need them in order to do my initiations. I need them in order to have the supplies that I need um, to continue to do ancestral work and divination with people. Um, so I don't, I don't see them as, you know, uh, culture vultures. There are other communities that we can look at, but I wouldn't say necessarily the, the Hispanic community. Uh, Keona, help me out. What was the next question? I think that was it. Let me go back because I got stuck on. Um... Oh, uh, Kimberly McCall wanted to know when you're going to um, bless us with the book. Um, I really need help. I- I'm just being honest. I- I'm I'm the first to say a closed mouth does not get fed. Um, and and every few years or so, I think I have help. Um, I most recently thought I had help last year the fall of last year things started off well in 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 terms of conversation we were all gone cold um and then the work i think got overwhelming um my life got overwhelming um life itself was in motion for for both of us and so the work never got done Uh, i got some of my other legality commitments and contracts in place um, and I'm very thankful um, for for beloved for her assistance in that regard. I'm legal. Uh, I'm on the books. Um, my brand is legitimate. My trademarks are legitimate. My copyrights are, are legitimate. So y'all can play with me if you want to. Who do Central LLC? But in terms of my book, I don't know if I need a ghostwriter. I don't know if I need a, 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 an administrator who handles that and maybe I, you know, they give me certain assignments that I can handle and vice while they take that and then construct, um, you know, the context of, 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 of a book. I don't know. I just can't figure out how to do it now and live life on life's terms the way my life is right now. Um, some of you got a little bit of a downtime by Corona. Corona has actually affected my schedule um, double-fold. I'm more busy now than I was even before Corona. So I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to figure out how to uh, get my book completed, at least get one completed so that I can get it out in any um, reasonable, reasonable time frame. Uh, But I'm certainly working on it. that was a, a bit of a request for help. If it's anybody in the room that has ever really legitimately written a book um, and, and kind of knows how that process goes or, or is willing to sort of work that out for me and with me, um, I'm open to that. Um, Guinevere Reed says we need to embrace, educate, and become more enlightened about the continuity of our African diaspora spirituality. Americans who do, even if it's diluted, we are especially urban and globally connected. Uh, and I agree at every level. I often say, um, if you have an internet, if you got a computer and you pay an internet bill every month and you don't have any friends in other countries, in these ethnic countries, what you got internet for other than Candy Crush and foolishness? What you got internet for? If you aren't using your Skype, your WhatsApp, 
to communicate with 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 Africans and in the diaspora. Why do you have internet? I do every day, and you learn how to navigate the the dog piles. You learn how to navigate the regular things in life that we all navigate through wherever we are in the world. Uh, they they're navigating it too. They're just as fearful too. They're just as miseducated about who we are as well. They, they don't know as much about blacks in America as, as we think they should know um, about blacks in America. They don't know much about slavery as we think they should know about slavery. Uh, become the sea. Uh, it's asking to speak regarding repairing divisions between colonized indigenous communities and ATR. Um, Beloved, that's kind of what I'm speaking to now. Um, we've got too much technology and too much um, resources available to us beyond just money that we could be using to to reconnect, not just across the diaspora and in indigenous communities, but within our own families. I mean, we got cousins, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, that we don't hear anything from, that we don't reach out to, that there's no connection there with. So that's why I say um, become the sea. It's a it's a, a Western problem. It, it's a it's a, a symptom of a Western disease that affects our ability to build relationships, to connect, uh, to get to know, to, to to build, you know, in a very natural and and, and organic way. There's that trust element. Voodoo occultism, um, sort of introduced with, with the Haitian question and comment. Uh, there's a racial element. Um, Voodoo occultism is talking about the light skin Latina, it's like the mulattoes in the US. Um, to some degree, yes. To some degree, there are Hispanics who, who are colorized, just like blacks. But, but if I could get you all to stop. We say Hispanic because they speak Spanish. These are really multiracial people that are either primarily indigenous, mixed with Black, African, and 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 Spaniards, or they are primarily Spaniards and indigenous, and in some cases mixed with a little bit Black African, and they are not as knowledgeable about their bloodline lineage as we are. DNA tests are, are new to everybody. DNA tests are new to the planet. There is a black presence in uh, Mexico, absolutely. Absolutely, we've talked about that on previous shows. Give me your questions, your comments. Please type them in all capital letters um, so that Keona can help. We're oftentimes quick to pull the prejudice and race card, which does exist. But if we can focus more on our roots, which is what you come here and you preach until you're blue in the face every single day, then we will be okay. I've lived in Texas, and now I'm in California. And when I see root work, I've sat in a congregation with people speaking nothing but Spanish, and they were open to me. So, I'm, so everyone we're even prejudiced and have racism amongst each other. So let's get past that and let's get to the root work. The, the problem is we're fighting against energies that we don't know anything about. 
We're fighting against energies that we aren't familiar with. We're coming to energies, asking them for help when we haven't even gone to our ancestors, me included. So let's get beyond the color of the skin. And if someone of Latino descent can help you, then ask them. Ask them to help you. If someone, um, what was the other one that we were talking about? Um, of, of African uh, the diaspora, ask them because you won't know if they'll help. They won't help you unless you ask. But you can't just assume because you look at them, then they won't help you. I'm quick to ask questions, and often I find they don't know. They they believe what most of the world believes about white America, and they superimpose that on people of color who are American. So you will run into the Nigerian, the Ghanaian, the Brazilian, you know, who, you know, within the first sentence, can you help me out? Can you do me a favor? Can you buy me airtime? Can, can you can you keep me minutes on my phone? You know, you will get that. There are those who do that. And, you know, if you're in need and you not have access to the superhighway, you cannot entirely fault them for making the attempt. But once you say, no, boo, that ain't me, we're not about to do that. Who are you? Where do you live? What's your religion? What do you do on Saturday night? Where do you go in your community where, where culture is being talked about? That's what I ask. Now, that person, Black, White, American, or, or any other ethnicity is either going to contribute to that conversation, just like what's going on right here, or they're going to sit and look at me, just like what's going on right here, and, and just hear what I have to say and, and, and either not respond or eventually, poof, they're gone. So, so there's no real danger. You know, you ain't giving them your credit card number. You ain't giving them access to your bank account unless you're a fool. You know, you, you're not doing that. But just like I said, we don't know how to build relationships in the West. We don't know how to build relationships. We don't know how to walk up to someone anew and say, hi, my name is, how you doing? Where are you from? You know, that, that's an interesting background. That's an interesting look. Who are those people in the picture behind your head? You know, where'd that stick come from? You ask questions. But many of us ain't willing to answer questions. And, and see, that's, that's the problem. You can't ask questions you're not willing to answer for yourself. So, you know, I appreciate Keisha Smith and Keona D. Carter and, and, and you know, people who are using their names. And I don't have a problem with I'm shy or weird mafia. I, I get that too. But when we're talking about building uh, what Voodoo um, Cultism talked about, or was it uh, somebody else? We're, somebody said about building cross-cultural relationships. Um, it was becoming the thing. Um, divisions between colonized indigenous communities and ACR. Th these divisions are created by language, culture, geographic location, experience. The life my friends live in Sao Paulo, Brazil, is nothing we could even understand in, in New Orleans. Completely different. There are things that make us all human, that we all have similarities. But until you start asking questions, you don't know how much water is available. You don't know how much internet is available. One of the first questions I ask is, how are you accessing the internet? 
especially if I'm talking to someone in Africa. Are, are you at the cafe? That's a code word. As soon as I say cafe, they know I already know the game. They know I already know about people sitting up in the cafes in Nigeria, creating, you know, fake relationship with people in order to get access to your resources. That usually, that ends it right there, becoming the seed. That, that, that ends it. And so either they are really looking to talk about something or they really need your help. And I find in a lot of cases, they really need help. They really need help. And, and sometimes it's just being present, just like here, sharing information, telling them what's available. You know, it was it was through communicating with Nigerians that I found out that they didn't have no PayPal in Nigeria. I didn't know that, you know. So it's a reason that they, you know, are apt to use Cash App in Nigeria. It's a reason that are apt to use WhatsApp in Nigeria. The internet is heavily monitored in Nigeria. So they don't feel like they can speak their mind openly on Facebook, but they feel they can on WhatsApp. So it's all kind of reasons that people do what they do online but if we don't bridge that gap if we don't ask questions we never know we'll never understand we never gain any real clarity um i think the poverty and the resource divide is a big deal uh becoming the sea often you know you get you know can you put money on my books can you help me out you know can you pay my phone bill you know because they are living in really impoverished parts of the world but again, they see TV, so they think we live just like the white folks they see on TV, so they think I have a car. They think I own my own house. They think I have a savings and a pension plan and, and a retirement fund. You know, they think I have access to all that. Well, you America, that also explains why sometimes, particularly Africans and African-Americans, bump heads, because those college degreed up Africans come here and look at us sometimes and say, why aren't you using all these resources that are available in America? And again, if they haven't been educated about slavery and white supremacy and, and how that works, you can't expect them to know. You'd be shocked how many West Africans that I've asked the question directly, how much do you know about slavery? And the conversation go quiet. But what they teach y'all over there in school about slavery? Now, that's how I learned that Nigerians can't talk about everything. Certain topics they will not talk about, period, unless they, like you, radical, revolutionary, to some degree don't give a damn. And, and so I've met Nigerians that, that have broke it down to me. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is why. But then they're using, you know, assumed identities, you know, they're, they're covering a trail. They're using WhatsApp. They're, they're a little bit more crafty. So I think the opportunity becomes to see for us to get beyond colonized indigenous mindset um, is, is now, greater really now. Should, just like hoodoo occultism, he's saying that it's, um, that if you don't look like him, then you can't teach him about the ATR culture. And I just got to call a thing a thing. Maybe that's it, the issue characteristics popping up in me. Yes, you can. Because even if you go to Africa, the majority of the continent is, uh, they're Christian. And if you mention anything about ATR, 
they're they're going to judge you. They're going to look at you as as being negative and and having dark energies and black magic. So exposure is everything. Exposure is everything. I also find them to be, I want to add to that, Kiona, I also find them to be as um, racially and and skin shade. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, colorism. It's just a big, as big a deal in West Africa as it is here. To some degree, I would say even more so. Skin bleaching products ain't, ain't, ain't a major market in the U.S. Oh, you can go to the store and get it. But you go to Nigeria, Ghana, it's everywhere. It's on every shelf. So the racism that you you believe you're battling, who do occultism, they're battling it too. And the same lies and manipulation they do here, they did over there. So I hear you say, well, you know, they got to look like me. Well, I've met a lot of people who look like me who knew nothing about Buddhism. I've met people in Nigeria who know nothing about Ifa. Nothing, nothing. I, I write Shango, what's that? I write Oshun, what's that word? No, nothing. And Nigeria's national language is English. So you have Nigerians that don't speak old Yoruba because the Yoruba we're using to connect ATR is not conversational modern day Yoruba. And so they, they, don't, they don't even understand it. They don't even know what I'm talking about. You know, um, it's also a sort of a, a, a repercussion of that that idea that all Africa is the same, which was, you know, originally implanted on us. They all black, they all African, they all the same. But, you know, depending on their ethnic group, depending on their geographic location, and you make some black African reference to something that's outside their realm of awareness, they look at you just like any uneducated black American would. They look at you just like any white person would. And I've had them ask me, what's that? What does that mean? And I've had to explain it to them. And I've had, oh yeah, my grandmother used to talk about that. My, my auntie, just like here, just like here. So so be careful with that who do a cultism. Also that whole bleaching shade thing, you know, when I lived in Pasadena, California, back in the in the '90s, there was a Nigerian, an Igbo Nigerian, in our building. I mean, he was lighter than Barack Obama. He was like six three, six four, tall, lanky, you know, guy, very fair skin, and he taught me attitudes and aspects of racism that existed in, in Africa and Nigeria that just blew my mind. I, I just had no idea. Um, the albinos, you know, who were being kid, kidnapped, killed, mutilated, slaughtered, primarily for voodoo, by the way. People believe that their, their body parts can be thusly used in voodoo. But if you take just one country, Nigeria, that they got every shade in that country every shade and so if you took the time to figure out who was who was nigerian of what ethnicity <laughs> who was who had some middle eastern in them who had some you you would be just as limited there in moving this black conscious thing forward as we find ourselves to be here as we find ourselves to be here 
So the, the mythologies that you're speaking to, um, um, that, that, you, that you're suggesting comes from black, which black? Which black? And, and, and the Yoruba have not always even been where they are, have not always even been in Nigeria. So we've we've got to Kiona suggested that we've we've got to grow up and and stop looking at race from this Black American post slavery perspective and, and take on with um, becoming the seedbed of more um, diverse international global and, and I dare say cosmic perspective. Because once we get to a certain development in our growth, we got to get off the ground. Some of us, particularly those who watch Alien, um, Ancient Aliens, and listen to Coast to Coast, we are already in the universe. We, we're in the cosmos. We, we've already transcended just the little Earth conflict of race and, and color and, and, and ethnicity. But doing better than hoodoo occultism doesn't mean material. We have to get beyond the carnal um, mentality. Because when you go to the county building, if you ever stop by there, you don't see that many Latino people in there applying for welfare. You will see them living a whole bunch to a house, everybody working jobs and nobody else want to work. They work their fingers to the bone. And they drive what they drive. You might see a guy, he might look regular, and the shoes on his feet may be 800 to to $1,000. So let's get beyond the carnal and the material. Who was getting work? Who was getting results? Let's do that because there's people out here that are really hurting, people out here that, are, that really need healing. So if somebody that can help you, just like somebody might say, oh, a Caucasian person don't, um, don't look like me, but they got work too. You can't say that. They could put some fire on you, too. So I'm not saying you go to them, but I'm saying they got work, too. They could put fire on you, too. So let's get beyond the carnal mindset and let's get results. Yeah, because at the end of the day, all they have to do is pull back. All they have to do is pull back. They, they already have a relationship with, with Nigeria. They already have a relationship with, with Ghana and South Africa and many other ethnic regions of, of, uh, of the West Coast of Africa, by the way. The Congo, you know, their houses are divided by ethnic traditions uh, in both Brazil and in in Cuba. Until we get to the place that we can do that, uh, I'm beyond complaining because it's pointless to complain. It's it's an ongoing conversation. It makes for great shows sometimes, but we we aren't we aren't moving forward in terms of. Uh, who, who's doing the work? Um, I see what you're saying, Keisha. Now, I I agree with Hoodoo occultism that if I'm going to do Voodoo, if I'm going to do Ifa, I'm going to the people of that bloodline, of that lineage. It, it goes back to an earlier question about, I can't remember what the question was right now, but it, I'm going to, it goes back to the question about, um, about voodoo and, and Arisha 
doing harm to people. Orisha blocking people. Now I got a big problem with with Yoruba Ifa being an open market for everybody on the planet, including Europeans who have no Yoruba background at all, who have no West African background at all. So, no, I, I'm going to go to the people who are operating in the system that's within their lineage to do. So I guess I'm in between you and who do a coffeeism on that particular nuance. I'm grateful for each and every one of you um, and your active participation and your uh, and your and your questions. Everybody's active right now. Everybody has something to say right now. I should have been on the phone, like Kiona, so I could hear your voice and your opinion and, and your your tone. Often, how we say things uh, has everything to do with how yeah, we understand. occultism. I'm gonna fall back because his energy for me, and I and I wish he was on the line. His energy, and he he may have a valid point, but because it's words and I can't feel the energy, it's not coming across well for me um, oh. because it's coming off. Is negative and it's like is is he's absolute and is not hearing what anyone else has to say, you know. Um, there's a big world out here, and we can't just go from what we see and then our zip code and just say that's the world as it is, because it's a huge world out here. And from what I my exposure and my experience may be different, so it's okay to disagree. It's okay to have a healthy debate, but just to Say Kiana heal from what? I, what I mean, let's heal. You know, let let's heal because I'm not the only person. I'm the only one that will be transparent. I'm the only one that'll show my naked behind on here because I'm looking for true help because I know this is the house to get it in. However, it's almost thirty people on here. You can't tell me every, I'm the only one that got problems. Yeah, yeah. And I like where uh, Genevieve Reeves says, black-on-black racism, colorism, tribalism, self-hate is absolutely real. However, the first step to healing the divide is to identify, acknowledge, and recognize what we have in common, other than, other than just our differences. Uh, and, and I agree. Um, in my mid-50s, and, and when I look back over the course of my life, the greatest degree of racism, colorism, prejudice, bias that I experienced was in my community and from black people until this very day, to this very day. Um, black people ain't all that interested in befriending me. Black people ain't all that interested in getting to know me. Black people ain't all that interested in, in, in making any kind of sense of my lifestyle and how I'm navigating in the world unless I'm beneficial or useful to them. And that's it. Fix my life. Give me a reading. Provide a service. But that's it. That's it. I I can count on two hands how many people really give a damn. I can count on two hands how many people care if I got toilet paper over here or not, if if I'm eating every day or not, if, if I'm getting sleep every day or not. And when I look at opposition on work sites, work environments, uh, opportunities, you know, to get the, the blessing, to get the opportunity, the gatekeeper in my life has been black. 
the gatekeeper in my life has been the black Christian, the black Muslim, the black homophobe, the black sexist, the, the black Republican, the black DL download perpetrate nasty Negro. That that's where all of the uh, the racism and prejudice and colorism and tribalism, for the most part, that I have had to encounter. Um, I've rarely had an overt moment with a white person or Hispanic person about race or prejudice. Rarely, I've had some, and it's implied. You know, or, or it might show up in customer service and you have to ask for the supervisor, you know, or, or something of that regard. But in terms of that hardcore uh, wall that I have to hit every day uh, as a gay black man, it's, it's, it's from black people. It's from black people. So uh, you listen, I, I hear you. Like, like Keon, I wish you were on the phone. I know you're at work, and, and I don't understand why people. And I don't understand why people always want to talk about Latinos and 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 other in other communities. But then when they find out they got a whole bunch of uh, uh, Africans in their bloodline, then they want to scream, "Oh, what about the Indians? Well, what about them? You know?" So it's like you can't say that you don't want to be exposed to one ethnicity, but then when you get your DNA test and you see that you are of African descent, do you want to sit there and say, oh, well, what about the, well, what about the Indians? Well, what about them? Because they're not showing up in your bloodline. So it's like, don't be disrespectful and not hear nobody out when at the same time people are hearing you. You know, be open and, 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 be, and be honest. This is a whole world out here. Yeah, the, the chat is moving so fast. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even sure how the energy got to this place with y'all in the conversation. I, I, I'm just not, I'm not getting that. You disagree, and I'm the type of person, I, I can disagree, you know, because if you have an opinion, I have an opinion, it's okay. You know, but he says that, you know, I disagree with you, and he he just went too far. So I said, you know what, I'm going to fall back because I don't, your energy is not coming across well for me. But then he says, oh, um, I don't know what my energy is doing to you. I'm not here to satisfy you. And I'm like, no, you're going too far at this point because now you're trying to 